Well, good morning, and uh, I'd like to, uh, along with Voda, uh, say welcome to you who are joining us. My name's John. It's my pleasure to bring you uh, God's Word this morning as we uh, continue our series on prayer. And uh, if you have your Bibles there with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 6. We will be looking at verse 9 of chapter 6 this morning. But before uh, we get into it, may I pray uh, for us. And of course, thank you, Sean, for such lovely announcements. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come this morning and hear your scriptures. We thank you that you speak to us through them. And we thank you that even though we are apart, we can uh, know you and know that we are together in spirit uh, because you have called each of us to your to your family and, and, and continue to draw people to you uh, during this time and through uh, your word. May you uh, be with the words that I speak. May your spirit work in the ways in which it needs to in the hearts and lives of those listening uh, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as I said, thank you for joining us this morning and uh, along with singing, praying and, and the preaching of the word, we also will be sharing in communion. So at some point, if you uh, wish to do that uh, and you're not ready for that, do feel free to press pause and then go and get the elements and we'll be celebrating that after uh, the message this morning. But at Christmas time, uh, which is only how long away now? Not long, four months away, Christmas time. Uh, there is a popular song we sing, O Come All Ye Faithful. I'm sure you know it. Here are some of the words. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of Angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Absolutely a great song for Christmas and the birth of our Lord Jesus, albeit a bit strange to hear uh, in the middle of the year. But these are great words for us, I think, as we continue our series uh, on prayer. This morning we'll be having a closer look over this theme or around this theme of adoration in prayer. Over the coming few weeks, we're going to be looking through the different verses and different phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And here in Matthew 6-9, we'll be exploring this theme of adoration uh, through the words of Jesus as he teaches his disciples and teaches us uh, about prayer. And I'm sure you will know uh, the opening line of this prayer in Matthew 6, 9. In context, it occurs as Jesus teaches his disciples and and teaches his followers about the way of the kingdom of God. As Jesus teaches his way through uh, the kingdom in Matthew 5 through 7, or the way of the kingdom, uh, we come to this section where Jesus explains a little about prayer. And from verse 5, Wally over the last couple of weeks has been sharing about that. And now we get into the Lord's Prayer itself from verse 9. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in doing so, 
Jesus begins teaching his disciples and followers about prayer by beginning with adoration. Adoration in relationship and adoration for who he is. And my structure this morning is following this exact verse. And, and the first point is, uh, our Father who is in he- comes off the back of our Father who is in heaven. In the Anglican tradition, uh, the Book of Common Prayer defines adoration as the lifting up of the heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. The lifting up of the heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. I'm not sure about you, but I find that concept and also the action to do that a little hard. Prayer is often hard, and I I think that might be the case for many of us, uh, where we we struggle to to set apart the time for prayer. We, We often don't know what we're saying in prayer. We, we, particularly as we're, we're new to faith or, or even as we mature in faith, prayer can often be something that we find uh, difficult to do. I know in, in different seasons of my uh, Christian walk, of, of my prayer life has changed. It goes up and it goes down. It can be a bit of a roller coaster. I pray differently. Maybe I pray through a list or maybe I write my prayers out by hand. Or other times I enjoy just hearing other people pray. Or maybe even while I'm doing a particular task, that's where my prayer life uh, uh, sits for a particular season. Maybe while I'm doing the dishes or, or doing the vacuuming. But when we pray uh, in adoration, we turn our hearts and minds to the thing, not only the things of God, but to God himself. As we commune with God through prayer, we do so in relationship and in his presence. In this COVID season, as much good as there has been from the text messages and phone calls and family Zoom gatherings and FaceTime calls with loved ones, we know we feel nothing, nothing will actually replace the physical presence of being with those whom we love, being with those who we love and cherish. I'm sure you've felt that over these last few months and continue to do so. Our relationships and our friendships may still be uh, in existence during this time and we'll, you know, we, we, we want to catch up with them and we still do online, but there is something missing, isn't there? There's something missing when we are not in each other's presence. Likewise, our relationship with God is made all the more when through prayer we come and enjoy being with him. As Jesus teaches us, about prayer, he begins by pointing us towards adoration in relationship. And at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, this is described in familial terms, a familial relationship between God and his children. Our Father who is in heaven. It's not quite as close as dear daddy, but there is a certain familiarity, a certain relational tone that shows a deep, abiding, significant relationship between us and God. Through the scriptures, God reveals himself 
to, uh, reveals himself to us uh, through his scriptures that he is the father of his children. In the Old Testament, God, uh, well, God is portrayed as a father of his people Israel. We can read that in Exodus 3 and 4 or Psalm 2, Psalm 103 and, and Hosea 11 to give some examples there. And in the New Testament we find that God is our father, is the father of course, a unique father to his son Jesus Christ. And as the writers of the New Testament show, the, there is an intimacy that we have as the corporate people of God, we, that we are considered his children, that God is our father. His, we are his sons and daughters. As 1 John 3, 1 reminds us, see how great a love the father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we know that the creator of everything is not just a father, but he's our father, our father. As children, we are able to commune and relate to God as the one who is our father. Jesus teaches us about prayer as someone who is in perfect relationship with God the Father. Through his perfect and acceptable sacrifice for us on the cross, we are able to step into the presence of God as his children. By the blood of Jesus, we have access to the Father. We have a relationship with him and we can come to him in prayerful adoration. The relationship that we have with God is one that is intimate and personal. A point, I think, that can never be emphasised too much. And of course, it is important to recognise that not all earthly fathers live up to our expectations. Earthly fathers are not perfect. They fail us, they fail God, they, they fail themselves. Yet whatever relationship we have with our earthly father, it doesn't compare to the perfect love that God the Father shows for us and has for us, his sons and daughters. Galatians 4, 6-8 reminds us powerfully about our identity because of God's love and care Toward us. It says, Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir, an inheritance, as part of God's family. And so as Jesus begins to model prayer for us here in Matthew 6, 9, as he teaches us a way to pray, he begins by stating that unbelievable truth that we are in a relationship with God, the creator God, the God of the universe, and we are able to come to him and call him our father. Our father. The second half of the verse, hallowed be your name, is, uh, is something that describes 
who God is. Now, when, when we're aware of someone's name, then we're aware of, of who they are. We, uh, a name sort of defines us. Some parents put a lot of time and effort into coming up with their child's name, thinking through its meaning, thinking through uh, what to choose for their child. Others don't put too much thought on, into it at all and uh, simply select the name that they quite like, that, that they enjoy. But a name does define us. Uh, a name defines who we are. It represents us. And over time it can identify us. It, it can become synonymous with particular things. Perhaps it can, can uh, be synonymous with our family, with, uh, with a particular place perhaps. If we've lived there long enough, our name is known. With a particular industry or workplace, our name may be known. And also, our name may also hold certain family traits or, or character traits and come to represent them. I mean, think about the last week or so, right? What name has been most prominent in the media? I'm not sure how many times you've heard the name Karen, but that's certainly been a prominent name in our community over the last couple of weeks. And right now, Karen is the name that represents someone who is obnoxious and entitled and complains a lot. I mean, we, we feel sorry, don't we, for, for all those lovely Karens out there. Many, a couple in our church called Karen. We, we feel sorry for those who, who that name is now, is now, uh, uh, no longer seen in a good light. Not all Karens, though, are complainers. Just like, uh, not all Wallies are, uh, are wasteful with water. And so time will pass and uh, Karen's name will, will, the name Karen will again uh, be, uh, be fine uh, for people. But I, I think you know what I'm, I'm trying to say there. Well, as we survey scripture, we see God has over a hundred names. He's called over a hundred names, describing and revealing who he is, his character and his personhood. And here Jesus teaches us to honour that name to honour that name, to hallow it, to recognise it as holy. As we come to our Father in prayer, we're to recognise that we're coming before God who, and we're coming before God in all his majesty, in all his glory, in all his righteousness, in all his, his beauty. And we, as his children, can come to God, the one who is all-powerful and all-excellent, the one who is all holy and and in prayer we are able to come and enjoy him, to come before him, to lay our heart out to him and he will hear us and care for us. And, And so with this in mind, what does it mean for us to adore God? What does it mean for us to adore something, particularly God? And I often feel that there are inadequate words to describe what it is to adore God. But we'll we'll give it a a shot here. eh? You see, when we adore something in human terms, we we have our heads affirming our adoration towards it. And our hearts yearn towards towards that which we adore. And our hands are open to act towards that, towards that which we adore. 
So there's a head, heart, hand sort of thing going on. We think, we feel, we act in adoration. And so if we adore a particular football team, for example, uh, then we will watch the games. We will go to the games if we're able. Uh, we'll buy a membership. We'll debate others about our team. Uh, we'll, we'll know the players and we'll, we'll keep even perhaps up with the stats. When we adore a person, well, we will think about them. We will want to talk to them. We may have a photo up on the wall or on our desk of them. We will seek out what's best for them. We'll seek to serve them. And most of all, we'll, we'll want to be with them. In prayer, as we show our adoration to God, towards him, we come to him through relationship, but we also come to him for who he is. We are drawn to God because of his greatness, because of his magnificence, because of his excellencies, his works that he has done in this world, and simply for being who he is, his, his character. Sometimes it can be stated rather crassly that to pray in adoration towards God or the adoration component of prayer towards God is just repeating back how good God is to God. But I think this misses the point. We may well be telling God how good he is, but when we pray in adoration, we do so when we, because we recognise that God is God and that we are not that we are in a relationship with the God of the universe who has done everything that we cannot comprehend or understand and whose character is displayed for us in the beauty of the mountains and the rivers and the seas and in the people in whom we have relationships with as well. And, and it's told to us through the scriptures about who he is and his majesty and glory. And this is the God that we can come to. This is the God we worship, but it's the God we can come to in prayer. And Psalm 8 is a good example of a a psalm of adoration. And let me read it out for you. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. For you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands, but you put everything... Uh, You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The whole psalm resounds not only in praise for God and for what he has done, but also for his name. He recognises the greatness of, of God. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And so as Jesus teaches us 
that to begin in prayer in adoration is prayer that highlights God's goodness and greatness and it is to honour his name as holy, honour God as holy. Here we see Jesus teach us that our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So what might that mean for us? Even perhaps as early as this afternoon, how can we understand this adoration of God and implement it in our prayer lives and understand it in the context of prayer? Well, first, I think we see that Jesus begins to teach us to pray. And as he does so, we find the call there is a call to adore. The call to pray is a call to to adore. To begin to pray in adoration turns our hearts to the greatness and the praises and the glories of God. It moves our minds and our our hearts towards him. We simply want to come to him and again praise him for all that he has done and praise him for everything that he is. It moves our hearts to who he is and it lifts our eyes off the minute that we worry about, into the magnificence of God. I'm not sure how you pray or or in in which seasons you have used different prayers, Uh, but there is a a model of prayer, the Acts model of prayer, which closely follows the outline of the Lord's Prayer, which, which is often helpful for us, particularly when we struggle or, or don't have the words or, to, to pray uh, to God. And it starts off with exactly what we've been talking about, adoration, giving praise to God at the wonder of who he is. It then goes to confession and, and thanksgiving and supplication, bringing your, your request to God. But, but again, it, it highlights that that we begin prayer with adoration, we lift our hearts off the, the things that we are dealing with and on to God. And prayer becomes an exercise then in coming closer to God, recognising who we are praying to. And so that might be a helpful model for you as you begin to, to pray in, in adoration. Maybe when you pray next, begin uh, to pray to God uh, with adoration in mind. Maybe pray through Psalm 8 or pray these words here in Matthew 6, 9. Or, or, or use this, this Acts model of prayer. Whatever the case may be or, or however you may do it, I'd encourage you though to pray to God in adoration, to recognise who he is. And to pray to him for exactly that, for who he is. Second, as Jesus begins to teach us to pray, we find that the call to pray is also a call to perspective. During Isolation 1.0, our family picked up a telescope and so on some of those clear nights we've been having, uh, we would take out the, the telescope outside, turn off the, the outside lights and then spent time staring at the stars and at the moon. And, and the reaction from each of us, both, both us as adults and the kids, uh, was one of awe. We were able to look upon the sky 
and look upon the stars and see their great display. And then we're able to look upon the moon and see, you know, just the little things, its brightness, but also the little craters that are there on the moon that God too has created. And as we were doing this, this gave us great perspective. It took the focus off ourselves and took it onto the beauty and the wonder of of God who has created this universe, his greatness and vastness in creation. So too, as we lift our eyes to God to see his goodness and his greatness, we find we're given perspective. It takes our view off ourselves and on to this majesty of God, the wonder and beauty of him. And so in amongst the pain and the pleasure of what is going on in our world right now, getting the perspective of God takes our burdens and, and gives us peace. Through the perspective we're given through adoration prayer, we find the help of God, his perspective. And his perspective brings us help, as, as Alistair Begg put it in his book, Pray Big. So when we approach the heavenly throne in prayer, embarrassed by our sin, bedraggled by our burdens, weakened in our inadequacies, we discover it to be a throne of grace. We approach it in the awareness, the fact, that the one who upholds the universe and governs his church helps its members. It is often the case, isn't it, that we have much on our prayer list. And so often our prayers simply turn to that, turn to a list style of wants and needs. And I'm sure you've had conversations, either at home or at the workplace, that that seem very list-like, very task-orientated. Jen and I have plenty of conversations about what's happening over the course of the week and, uh, you know, the different things that the kids are involved in and that that we're involved in. Now it's more centred around remote schooling and and what we're going to do over the coming uh, few days. Uh, But, you know, conversations about who needs to go where and when, who needs to do what and and when, when should we do this certain chore or that certain chore, what time someone needs to be somewhere, what appointments are on this week. But if all our conversations were like that, then we'd only be living a task-orientated relationship. At other times, we need to set time apart. We need to set time apart to talk together, to see how our week was, how our day was, hear about what it was like for us in amongst those tasks. And this is the more relational conversation the conversation that gives us perspective on how the other is going, gives us perspective to hear the highs and the lows of the day and how that impacted emotionally or physically and even spiritually. But as we sit there and we share in those relational conversations, then we gain more perspective for the other and we gain appreciation for one another and we grow in love for one another. And so in the same way, our relationship with God and the perspective we have of God, if we simply see prayer as as a list of tasks and task-orientated things, then, well, we'll be stagnant. We won't really have much of a relationship. But when we have that relational component, 
And we know that we can grow in appreciation, in perspective, in love for God. Through the adoration of God, our hearts and minds are taken off that which is right in front of us and lifted high into the greatness and the goodness of God. It gives us perspective. To close, it is worth saying that there is no better learning place for prayer than praying itself. And when we come to God, we know that we can come to a God in whom we trust, who cares and who loves us and who will hear us. We may not understand what he is doing in our lives, in the, in the lives of everyone around the world, in the lives of our friends or our family. However, as we learn to pray as Jesus has instructed, we know that we have access to God the Father and a relationship with one who is all holy and all majestic and all glorious. And as Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2.8, for through him, through Christ, we have access to the Father by one spirit. We have access to God. So come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. And let's do that in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We give you praise and honour for your glory, for your majesty. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. For you have created and established this world. You continue to have your hand upon it. And Lord, when we look out on your creation, we gain a perspective. When we come to you in prayer, Lord, help us adore you. Help us yearn for relationship with you. Help us have a heart of worship toward you, Lord. Not just because of the things that you can do, because of the, the, the way in which you hear our, our, requ- our lists of requests, but Lord, help us to come to you because you are you. Lord, you give us so much. You give us grace. You give us hope. You give us joy. You give us peace. You give us love. And Lord, you do that because you you love us. And you do that because that is who you are. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you this morning for who you are. Help us to adore you. Help us to love you because you are you. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And may all the earth know of your majesty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, this morning we 
are also going to spend a couple of moments celebrating uh, the Lord's Supper, celebrating communion this morning. And I want us to give us a moment to, or give you a moment to focus on the truth that is there on the screen, Ephesians 2.18, for through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. We have access to God. Through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, we have access because of what he has done for us in dying on a cross. And this good news, this gospel of his death and his resurrection enables us to have access to God the Father. Let me read from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, which speak of the words of Jesus as he was with his disciples and as he was with his disciples in the Last Supper and uh, it puts into context the, the way in which we, we celebrate uh, communion. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I encourage you to, to take the bread which you have and, and break it. And remember that it is God's, it is Jesus' body given for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. Let us remember Jesus and what he has done for us this morning. And let's sit in adoration, knowing that we have access to God the Father through his body and his blood. Let's remember Christ today on his day and let's give thanks and adore Christ because what he has done for us and most of all for who he is. I'm going to pray and there will be a, a couple of minutes or, or a minute or so of, um, of some music in the background. Feel free to continue in prayer uh, yourself. Pray and give thanks and adore Christ in your prayers as we celebrate this this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done for us and the ability to have access to you because of the love that you have shown for us in giving your body and your blood for us, for the forgiveness of sin, Lord, for saving us from ourselves, Lord, for a relationship with you, because you have shown your love toward us 
through your Son, Jesus. Lord, may we remember uh, that this morning. May you help us to remember that tomorrow morning and the morning after and the morning after that because we know that your gospel, your good news is not just a one-time offer, it is a daily, daily remembrance of you. And may we remember it each and every day and come to you in adoration because of it. Lord, we thank you for what you have done. You have given your body for us, you have shed your blood for us. Help us to remember Christ. Help us to adore Christ in our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please take some time in in prayer and uh, Voder and Mark will then lead us and close our service out uh, with a great hymn, How Great Thou Art. Thanks. I lay this day down, not in my strength, but in yours I